Welcome to the Support Automation Show, a podcast by Capacity. Join us for conversations with leaders in customer or employee support who are using technology to answer questions, automate processes, and build innovative solutions to any business challenge. I'm your host, Justin Schmidt. Good morning, Jared. How are you doing? Justin, I'm doing well. It's a pleasure to be here today. Pleasure to have you. Where does this podcast find you? I'm out here in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's looking nice out today, but uh, just got through a couple months of fog, so feeling good. Yeah, I spent two years in San Francisco. I lived at effect, uh, Golden Gate Avenue, effectively the corner of Turk and Stanion. No um, way. I lived yeah. on Baker. Mm, yep. Yeah. <laughs> love love that town. It definitely has a piece in my heart. It's been a while since I've been back, though. But um, if the if the world ever makes travel easy again and I'm out there, we should we should go grab a coffee or something. So, Jared, tell me a little bit about Hover and your role there. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so Hover is a smartphone app um, where essentially you take eight photos of an exterior of your home and we provide the full exterior measurements and a customizable 3D model of that property. Um, the primary customers being people like external home improvement contractors, insurance carriers and adjusters and homeowners. Very cool. And you are the senior manager of customer operations there, correct? That is correct. And how did you how did you first get into customer ops? Yeah, I've been doing this this type of work for about a decade now. Um, you know, when I first moved here, I uh, I quite honestly just wanted a job to be able to pay my own rent and make my own way. <laughs> um, but uh, so I I found this job as a customer service representative, um, very entry level uh, at this company called Square Trade, uh, which mm-hmm. is an, an external warranty service, and I realized quickly that there was kind of two different ways that you could take this type of role. Um, this was an org with hundreds of representatives and it was difficult to separate yourself. Um, but you could take support as two ways. You could you know, be someone who clocks in and clocks out and answers emails, chats, phone calls, things like that. Or you can kind of look at it as this opportunity to use the insights in front of you where customers are literally telling you exactly what you want to help drive the company forward. So when I was a representative, I realized like, how do I separate myself? And the first thing is that, that I liked about customer support is your leaders usually tell you exactly how you're gonna be measured. I, I would give right. that advice to anyone. Um, know what you're being evaluated on because mm-hmm. they did kind of the old fashioned contact center way where it was like stack rankings and things like that. And I was like, if I can get my metrics into a place that will separate myself. It'll allow me to take on projects to kind of show my skill set, and eventually became like the number one stacked rank uh, representative, which allowed me to take my first shot as a manager. Um, so I was managing a team of ten representatives there. I did that for about a year, um, and then I moved on to this company, Zenefits, um, which is an HR uh, platform for small, medium-sized businesses. Um, that is a whole different story. It was about a three-year epilogue there. Um, uh, there's definitely been a bunch of interesting stories about that place um, in my career, but it, it, it definitely changed my trajectory. It was an MBA on the job. Yeah. Um, I was probably the 150th employee there. Within 18 months, there was over 1,500 people there. And then 15 months later, there was 750 people there. Um, so it was hyper growth to the maximum for sure. Yeah. 
And uh, there was a lot of different learnings there. That was my first opportunity to manage managers and kind of lead my own organization. Um, and after that, I wanted to see if I could do it from scratch. Um, went to some small startups um, where I found how difficult it is to find product market fit in this arena. Um, did some cool work there, but the, the companies weren't moving as fast as I would like them to. And um, that's when I found Hover. I've uh, been here for about two and a half years. It's an awesome place with an awesome culture. Great group of people. And uh, we're solving some really cool problems. Yeah. And in the solving of those cool problems, you get a really good opportunity to do what you mentioned earlier, which I loved as a as a piece of advice for people, which is, you know, customer support doesn't have to just be this like burdensome, do it because you have to kind of function in an organization. It, it's a revenue driver. It's like it's it's all the market research and all the um, it's it's a wealth of inspiration for sales enablement, product marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And being able to identify that and leverage it is a great way to get your career started. And what's really interesting about what you guys are doing over there is that you're using technology to sort of enable um, uh, the, 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 the customer of, 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 of Hover to, to, to sort of like leverage that technology with their customers to then drive more value for themselves. So it's like this, this, the, the flywheel of value there is, is apparent and it's very neat. Uh, to piggyback on that too, I, I've worked at a bunch of different types of customer service organizations. And the interesting thing about Hover is just like you said, is like the use of our product directly, directly correlates to someone else making more money. If I'm a contractor and I'm able to book more jobs because of this software, I'm going to use it more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And I've been in places where it's kind of like more of like exchange of services and things like that. But this product actually helps them develop their business and their career. So it's, it's completely different. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. So here on the, the, the support automation show, one of the early questions I always like to ask everybody is when you hear the word support automation, what does that mean to you? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I guess I, I guess I see it from two angles. Um, one is a support leader. Uh, to me, the automation piece is all about improving the impact my team can make and also giving customers what they want. Like we're only going to implement solutions that actually improve the user experience and the business as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, we can go into some details of things that we've tried and found out that didn't work, where we actually had to enable humans much more than we tried self-service bots and things oh, like that. Yeah, we'll absolutely have to get into that. But let's put a pin in that and continue your, your thought here. This is interesting. Yeah. And I guess the other, like when I hear that question is the other lens is through the, the eye of a consumer. Um, you know, we are all consumers and when I get some automated voice system or chatbot, I just think to myself, this better work. <laughs> you know, that experience of going around in a circle on a bot is so much more memorable than the few times that it does solve your problem. And I think when we're looking at it, it's like, how do I want to be treated in this experience? And, and time is so sensitive to the consumer. It's like, I want to be in, I want to get, get the information, be, uh, I want to get the information accurately. Hopefully the representative is courteous, but really it's like, I want this to be done quickly. We right. this, is, this is a fast moving environment. So uh, yeah, I think about it from both of those angles. Yeah. And it's, it's also interesting to look at it from a 
internal sort of life of the support rep themselves side too, right? Because and you, you kind of touched on this a little bit too, like when you, when you are able to get the, 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 the easy stuff done, if you're able to deflect enough calls so that you don't have an overrun support center of a very simple, you know, simple requests, your agents are then enabled to, to really do more value accretive activities and, and, and sort of work to more of, of their best potential. So implementing automation inside a support function benefits not only your customers for getting accurate, you know, in and out fast information, but it also enables and, and uh, augments the agents to, to, to do their best work. So when we think of when we think of some of those um, things you've tried to automate and and the learnings from them, I'd love to come back on that because it, it sounds like you've got some stories there, and I'd love to hear them. Like I think you mentioned specifically, there's thing, things you thought would work that you tried that didn't, and the lessons you learned. I think that'd be really valuable for for the listeners. Absolutely. So uh, about a year ago, we tried implementing a chatbot. We set it all up with all of these different answers, and it would deflect some things. Um, but I think the main thing that we realized was that customers hated it. They're just like mm-hmm. skipping through this bot, trying to get to a person. And we've all been there jamming zero or clicking next, 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 next. So we stripped it and we made it like, let's, let's connect you with someone that you, that can solve your problem immediately. Now you, you mentioned this earlier um, where it's like automation should be used to help people do their jobs better, not replace them. And when we're thinking of automating process workflows, it's like, how do we take something that takes five steps now and maybe get it to only take two steps? It doesn't have to be completely replacing the opportunity. And uh, there's kind of a framework that uh, our internal director, Dave Young, actually used that uh, I really like. And he thinks of things through the lens of rubber glove service, leather glove service, and white glove service, where it's like the rubber glove is the service where it's like, we're cleaning up messes that we know we make for ourselves internally, where it's like, we know this is a hole, we're trying to fix it. Um, the leather glove is like, we're, we're, we're doing things on behalf of the user, where maybe we have to reset their password or provide them an ETA when their product will be delivered or something like that. And getting to that level of white glove service just adds value to the business by improving the customer experience and brand reputation. And, you know, I think there it's all about getting to that level where it's like these monotonous tasks where it's not something that we should look to automate through self-service bot. It's like, that should be included in the product. Mm. And something that I've seen that is super valuable everywhere is this confluent that, excuse me, uh, is the value of a relationship between product engineering and support. It's like, if you can make it where your insights are powerful enough on the support side, the way I see it is kind of like we and support orgs are driving the car and pulling it into the driveway while product and engineering take the issue into the garage. It's like, we have to make sure that you know in detail what these problems are. We can't just say the model's not loading right. or something like that for, uh, in terms of our product it has to be much more specific than that. Um, so I think working together on all those, on all those fronts, it's not just about automating the support org or support experience. It's like, should this even be an issue at all? Should this be in the product? It, yeah. It's almost sort of like the, 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 
you know, the precognition, if you will, of product design to avoid an issue that would potentially need to be solved by support, therefore automated by support in the first place, right? And 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 you facilitate that by getting to that. I I love that uh, rubber glove, leather glove, white glove example. That is that is awesome. That that belongs on like a um, t-shirt or something at at a um, at one of these uh, support uh, support vendor conferences or something. I love that. Definitely. So you guys went through the the learning experience of 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 a bot that caused frustration um, amongst users. And we live in a world where we expect information to be sort of instantly available, ready, readily available in the format or medium that we're, we're, we're choosing, or we prefer rather. And sometimes I wonder, and, and people in, in your position or a good person ask this question too, like how do you manage making sure the information or the steps or the or the whatever it needs, your, your customer needs to solve their issue, how do you manage making sure that that's available in all the different channels and formats that it's sort of expected to be in? Yeah, that's a good question. I think for the most part, I think each customer service org Mm-hmm. Has some general rules and things that they try to do, like automating workflows to get the right case to the right person on the first try. Like that's a, a kind of classic thing that people try to automate. But then you have to customize it to your customer base. Whereas, for instance, for example, here we have general contractors who are on site with a homeowner. They're using our app, they're taking photos of a property to generate measurements in a 3D model. Now, if that fails, because they didn't take the right photos or something of that sort. I don't have time to look through a help center article to generate business for themselves. They need that right. problem solved immediately because it's, it's a nuanced question. It's like, I need you to look at this specific property and tell me what to do. Now there's tons of things you can add in product to help guide people. Um, but to me, it's just diagnosing your customer base and understanding what their needs are. Maybe there are some issues where it doesn't need to be responded to immediately, even if it feels that all customer uh, inquiries are created equal. Well, it's like some are actually like going to be make or break for this person. Um, so I, I kind of view it that way, where it's it's all about allowing customers to get to the right person for your type of business. So, you know, it's square trade. It's like if someone needs a warranty for a TV, get them to a TV specialist uh, Mm -hmm. on the first try. Um, But I think, you know, to me, it's all about what people want. Right, right. And our user base told us loud and clear, we need to talk to someone immediately. Is the path to support built directly into the app where if, if the photos don't, create the right model there's a like a this didn't work button that then like bat phones to you guys or have you built um something that's more like intermediary hop to a like a sort of quick you know these are the most common issues sort of thing how do you make that 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 immediate connection because that's really interesting because you're right like when that problem comes up it needs to be solved instantly but you don't want to make it you don't want to 
create noise inside your support organization by people, you know, hitting a button when they necessarily shouldn't. So you want to do some bit of like pre-qualification, I assume. I'm just kind of curious how that's how you, how you handle that because that's a really it's a really interesting um, stance there that that like we need to be there when it matters most. Well, that requires some operational burden to be able to do that, right? Absolutely. Um, so, for instance. We do this thing called Wacky Wednesday at Hover, where every Wednesday we trial something new. We take a problem, we try to brainstorm solutions, and we implement something. We're willing to have it fail, but we're also hopeful that it will, that it will breed success and we'll maybe adopt it as a full-time process going forward. So one of our kind of core values is to be different. And for the longest time, it was just uh, it, we were dealing with the same problems that a lot of support orgs do, just uh, understaffed, dealing with the problem, dealing with catching up and being reactive. We finally uh, have figured that out in terms of forecasting and scheduling and all that sort of things. So now we're trying to be proactive. So on this specific example, we're taking the issues that matter most when a payment fails or a job fails, and we're automating a task directly from our system into our support org to trial reaching out proactively before they even get an automated notification. Oh. And what we found is that that touch point has a large conversion factor on people not only converting that job, but continued usage. So the idea that when someone completes their first inquiry with Hover, they're much more likely to do a second, third, and fourth. And once you do your fourth or fifth with Hover, you uh, I forget what exactly, but I think it's something like 90% of customers don't leave. Yeah. But that first experience, if you have it and it doesn't work for you, can be really detrimental to your continued usage of the product. So it's not just something where it's important to them in that moment. It's important to you for the lifetime of your cycle here with Hover. Um, so I think that's how I think about those specific that specific inquiry. Can't yeah. do that with all of your inquiries, but you know, if there's 50 bucks on the table, every time you reach out on a personal connection, help someone through one problem, then they know that they can trust support going forward when they need help can really change the game. Yeah. There's a, there's a great lesson in there and it's different for every business. So it's not something that, you know, I can sort of flippantly say on a podcast here, but there is a connection between support and the LTV of your customer base or your users, however, however you, you, you define it, and understanding that relationship and being able to understand the knobs that you can turn to, to optimize that LTV is extremely valuable. So it's very cool that you guys take the time. I think that's a good uh, maybe lesson for people to bring back in their org own organizations is you sort of have that specified time the wacky wednesdays as you call it to to like fire drill these these concepts and innovation comes from that stuff i think a lot of times especially growing companies you get into the you know you're just trying to keep the boat afloat while you're or the rocket ship you know together on its way to the moon so to speak exactly. but but to be able to have those black hat exercises and and use that to drive innovation is 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 really neat I also think there's uh, there's a lesson in terms of we were talking about the communication between product engineering and support and all of those different things. And there's a certain level where support or back end operations is making up for too many holes in your product um, where you're over hiring to fill these gaps that, you know, will eventually be automated. That's something that I saw when I was at Zenefits. It's like sales is uh 
selling, selling products that potentially aren't ready for the masses. They're awesome products, but there's these manual inputs on the back end that require people to do them that are going to be automated in six to 12 months. And it's measured growth at scale is super important and definitely a lesson that I've learned through the different experiences I've had. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one because I just think about this even, you know, internally here at Capacity, right? Like we've got we've got product features and use case stuff where you you get your you know your lighthouse account in a in a particular segment or whatever it is. And you sort of have to there's a tacit understanding with between the support and product teams like look, this is the first cohort of customers that are going to use XYZ, right? Like there will be issues here. So it is, this is one of those, like, let's all sit down and remember we're on the same team moments, right? Where we can come into this with the right attitude, where we're, we're measuring the right data to be able to feed back into the development cycle. And, and all the learnings from this get spun into the sales enablement materials that sales then goes and, you know, the, the, all the N plus one uh, accounts that they, that they bring in. A lot of this stuff is, is covered and, and fixed from, from those trials with the early Lighthouse accounts. And it touches on another piece that we've, we've danced around a little bit in this conversation, which comes up a lot in these conversations, and that is you're not going to be able to have that effective feedback loop with support product and sales on, on sort of new initiatives and, and these sort of like bleeding edge type things if your support agents are eyeballs deep in resetting passwords and and you know uh, showing people how to update their username or whatever it is right like this is exactly why the value prop that automation companies capacity Zendesk, you pick 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 who it is. We're, we're, you know, this is why we are why we are doing this is to is to really open up that bandwidth so those meaningful conversations between support leaders and product or a support agent and a customer. So like the bandwidth is available for the meaningful ones. It's really interesting stuff. In general, do you feel like the average company understands? how powerful that relationship between support and product actually is? Or do you think this is an underappreciated thing? I think it's an underappreciated thing for the most part, because sometimes the insights aren't as valuable as they, sometimes the insights aren't created properly mm. where they're too general. Um, okay. And then it allows product folks to talk to three customers and make their own decisions on what they think they should do next. But if there's thousands upon thousands of people that are driving for the same solution, it's a completely different ballgame um, when you're talking about that development. Um, you know, we created this thing where there's, you know, tags and sub tags and basically these case summaries. So product managers can go to one of our hundred tags and swipe through a little Twitter feed to understand exactly what the issues are without having to go through these long case threads and things of that nature. Um, we created like an index uh, where the frequency of the case combined with the CSAT of the case together in a matrix kind of shows like what really is our, our most mm. difficult issue. And some of them 
don't need to be fixed by automation. Some of them are just looking at it with good old fashioned process workflows or even just right. changes language or empathy. And uh, so you learn a lot from that stuff. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You 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 said something in there that that we say often too, and that is whenever you go in to this mindset of you know, I've got XYZ, there has to be some solution out there that can automate this for me, right? Um, I, I, just as a marketer, you know, there's there's tons of marketing automation platforms are actually a really interesting thing to look at in terms of, of a long running and well established like knowledge work, you know, knowledge work with, with, with scare quotes here, uh, automation, because this, this has been around for a while, you know, something like Marketo is, is, is it's a very mature product category. But what we tell people and what I've experienced myself too is when you when you get to that point where like there's got to be a way to automate this, you really need to sit down and actually like map out just good old-fashioned business process design because in your diligence of sort of understanding the process and where, you know, where there's a, a, a failure of handoff, whether it's, you know, one app passing data to another or it's one human passing, you know, the responsibility to another. When you map out the process and really actually do the work, you might find that you just have a process design problem, right? Like there, there's not like bringing in an automation solution and, and spending all the money and going through the onboarding and doing all that isn't going to help your issue. It's just going to make it worse in a lot of ways. You, you need to do some job design, right? Or some process yeah, design. Something there where it's like the cost or you, it basically is like, how do we solve a problem? So the first thing is that people always tend to do and support is like, we need more people. We need new tools or we need engineering to build something, all of which come at a large cost. Right. The best way to make the case for that cost is to first try to solve the problem without those three things. And so I'm totally with you there on process management and trying to figure things out first before you make that leap. Because maybe you implement a tool and you're like, ah, we were actually solving the wrong problem because we rushed into this. Exactly, exactly. Um, when you think about the future of support automation, what excites you and what worries you? I think the exciting thing is just enabling people to work on the right problems, the high level things that bring value to your customers. In terms of what worries me is the over automation of things like voice systems and chatbots to a level where you lose that personal connection and it's actually not that helpful. Um, I know both of us have probably gone through a variety of different experiences, some good, some bad, but the most memorable bad ones are when you spend 30 minutes just trying to get to someone. Talk to uh, an agent. Yeah. No, talk to an agent. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, maybe there's a world in the future where the robots take all our jobs and we sit back and watch the sunset and R2-D2 brings me a pina colada. But, uh, you know, I think for the most part, this is about like enabling people to use their interest and skill set to make the company better, to make consumers happier. I, I don't want right. to deal with this computer that doesn't know what I'm talking about right now. I'm looking at this, you know. So, uh, yeah, there's a there's a variety of different ways to look at it. But to me, it, it comes back to just like automating automation will help people do their jobs better. Yeah. And it's important to note, and we didn't, I don't think we 
directly covered this in, in our chat today, but it, it, you, you, you hinted at it. So it's important to remember too that automation should be brought in to augment and help people do, do their work better, not to replace necessarily. And keeping that in mind, for this is just for all the support leaders out there, keeping that in mind, you're going to get much better buy-in on whatever automation you do bring in from your team if you go in and undo it under the auspice of, hey, we're bringing this in to make you know, XYZ problems easier to solve so you can do you know, ABC with, with, with more attention and, and with more um, care towards it. When you think about the, you know, imagine you're, you're sitting down and you're at a you're at a coffee shop or something, and someone comes up and is like, "Oh, Jared Sklar from from Hover, big fan." <laughs> if there is a piece of advice you could give to someone who's just getting started in their customer operations journey, um, what would it be? I think the main thing is to make sure that you're looking at a problem from a bunch of different angles. Um, I learned recently that sometimes support folks only ask other support folks or other operations leaders or other customer facing people how to solve their problems. But I was working with an engineer recently and instead of asking them to build up something technically, I asked for a different mindset on our manual process workflow. And it was a completely different view that I hadn't thought of. So collaborate with different people around your company to solve the problem that you have. Um, and so to me, it's just all about looking at everything from every different angle to make sure you're solving the right problem. That is fantastic advice, especially when you look at people who are, you know, not just tangentially related to what you do, but potentially entirely different departments or or industries or whatever it is, variety of perspective and um you know, an inclusive mental attitude towards those additional perspectives is, is incredibly powerful and, and it's easy to forget. So we'll we'll wrap up our conversation today. And this has been fantastic, Jared. I really can't thank you enough. And and you've you've dropped some amazing nuggets here. Um, rubber gloves, leather gloves, and white gloves is, is going to go down in, in the support automation show his, in history of as one of the better one of the better little nuggets. Um, it's not even mine. <laughs> well, you get you get to take credit for it in my book. <laughs> whenever I whenever I repeat that, it's going to be it's it's going to be attributed to you. So. <laughs> Let's end with our with our quick fire round here. What is the book that you most often recommend to people? I think the main one that I've read multiple times, not just at Hover, but has been recommended to me by Hover and I've recommended to others is Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea. Um, you know, when customer service is this general thing, but when everyone's trying to replicate what, you know, in quotes, the Zappos model, there's a reason for that. And uh, it's just kind of flipping stuff on its head and making sure that, you know, that company culture being tied to overall success of the company. And I think the main thing I learned from that too, is just to always be learning and prioritize the learning of your employees. Yeah. That'll make yeah. them with you and trust you. Yeah. What a, what a, what a great mind and a tragic loss that was. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it is amazing how often you hear about the, the Zappos way. And it's actually to, I think, Amazon's credit after they after they 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 swallowed Zappos up, it, Amazon's got very good customer support for for you know the scale and the size that they are. Their their support's actually phenomenal, and you do wonder how much of that is part of what Bezos bought. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But that's that's a that's a, that's a great one. In terms of your own sort of workflows and habits on being productive and being. Um, the sort of best self you can be. What's the best productivity hack or productivity tip that you've implemented into your daily work that that you'd you'd recommend? It's simple, but creating and aligning on shared goals within your team. So anything that you're working on, you can always point back like, is this really important for what we're trying to solve? That's a really cool idea but maybe we should focus on our goals first. So it's like whenever I'm doing work or I'm in a meeting, you have to ask yourself why you're there and if you're using your time wisely to meet your goals. So I think that's a big one for us and for me. personally. Yeah, that is really good because especially at startups, it's very easy to get distracted by imagineering, if you will, um, or, oh, that is cool that we should test that. And then the next thing you know, you're, you've spent two weeks designing something that that to your point, might run anathema to the actual goals you're trying to achieve. So keeping those in mind, that is very, very good. It's one of those things too that that is going to drive all the sort of you know sub layers of of thinking and being productive that you have. Just sort of always keeping that north star. Love it. If you could recommend one website, blog, Slack community, LinkedIn group, Facebook group, pick your um, uh, networking. Um, hub of choice here. But if you could recommend one community for support leaders to join and participate in, which one would it be? I guess I'm biased because currently we use Intercom. They have some solid support content. Um, But quite honestly, I'm an old fashioned type of person. And when it comes to this, I I like meeting people face to face or uh, call to call, if you will. And the best way I've learned about support by far is to ask my network or colleagues about their own past experiences and scaling organizations by far. Um, Picking people's brains, what worked, what didn't, telling them a little bit about your organization. Um, I think you can't leverage your own network enough uh, when it comes to building out your your current organization. Yeah, you really can't. And related to that is something I tell people all the time. And that is there, there there's a reason the the phrase no such thing as a stupid question exists, right? It's like exceptionally easy for people to fall into this trap of not just asking. You know what I mean? It's amazing what you get out of life when you just ask. And it's amazing what you get out of your network when when you just ask, right? Meeting people and, and just striking up these conversations. I remember one of my uh, first, one of my first leadership opportunities, I called my old boss and we had created this whole RFP for finding the right way to hire, if we should outsource or do this thing. And she was like, you don't want to do any of that. Here's what you want to do. And I looked at it and I was like, man, we completely missed it. Um, she's right. Um, so yeah, it's funny how another person can make you look at something differently. Yeah, hundred percent. Last question. If you were to be able to take out one person in this field for 
coffee or a cocktail, depending on the time of the day and the vibe, um, to just sort of pick their brain, who would it be? Quite honestly, it would have to be a personal, uh, personal mentors of mine, uh, Laura Kreitler and Sarah Blanchard, who I worked under at Zenefits, they were VPs there, were just these super powerful leaders who gave me my first shot to lead and manage managers. And it gave me the confidence that I needed to not live as two separate versions of myself. I didn't need to be a professional version and a personal version. I could be myself and find and navigate my own style, which I'm still working on to this day. But uh, it's been a while since I've gotten to see them. So make it a cocktail. <laughs> that was the best answer to that question I've, I've had yet on the show. Love that. Be, you don't need to be two versions of yourself. You just need to be yourself. Love it. Um, Jared, I can't thank you enough for your time today. This has been great. Lots of good stuff in here for uh, our listeners and anyone looking into either getting into or advancing their career in support or looking to bring in any sort of automation into their organization. A lot was covered today. All of it good. Where can people find Hover or yourself if they wanted to throw you a follow? Yeah, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, that's the only social media I have currently. Um, in Good terms of you. Hover, you can, yeah, you can go to hover.to is our website. And I also just recommend downloading the app, snapping photos of your house. It'll walk you through it. As a homeowner, you can do it for free and we'll send you a 3D model and be something pretty cool. Yeah, as we were preparing to, to have this conversation, I downloaded it and sent sent the, you know, you can share apps and, and, and shared it to my wife and was like, hey, can you download this really quick and like scan our house? I'm very interested to in what comes up. Um, super, super cool. Great conversation. Thank you so much, Jared. And I hope uh, your day is wonderful and your weekend's even better. The Support Automation Show is brought to you by Capacity. Visit capacity.com to find everything you need for automating support and business processes in one powerful platform. You can find the show by searching for support automation in your favorite podcast app. Please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Capacity, thanks for listening.